All right, here we go. Episode three, Jurassic Views, full episode. Um, it's not one of those post-game quick reacts going solo. This is the team. Zaya, welcome to episode three. Uh, you, you okay? I mean, after your uh, quick reaction last night, uh, you were going to lose it. You were going to go all uh, hunting down the ref and uh having a little chat with him or something i uh i definitely had some mobster mentality going on for sure wow (laughs) no it was uh it was tough i mean i had it was a a roller coaster of emotions obviously Mm -hmm. um and you i think you captured it not just yourself but many many raptor fans uh, Twitter, to to rap, Raptor Land on Twitter is going berserk. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're feuding. Some reporters are throwing, you know, are are having existential crises. We won't name who. But uh, it's fun. It's it's uh, this is what this is what uh, sport is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I have some thoughts, but I don't think we wanted to roll with that first. I think you had a you you want you you had a uh, a few other things that you wanted to cover first. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, any podcast we get into, as uh, some of our friends who are listening uh, will point out, there's always like you know ten, twelve, twenty things that we could be talking about, but we're going to try and cover the things that we think makes the most sense. And based on what I've been reading today, um, based on uh, text messages that have been sent in post-game, I think it's important for you and I to have a little early evaluation of this team. I know it's five games in. It seems like a little bit early. But at the same time, I think what you and I do, because we've been fans for so long, and we've played the game of basketball competitively as well i think it's important that we kind of help remind people of the state of affairs for the franchise so you want to you want to take a a couple swings at that and see where it goes absolutely you know Um, i i I also want to come about it in a non-pontificating way right right. We're, (laughs) we're i'm not an oracle Right. Uh, Bryce knows me quite well that I prefer to avoid predictions, early season predictions, you know, mid-season evaluation there and then provide a prediction. I'm not in the I'm not in the game for that. I'll crunch the numbers. I'll make analyses. um, But um, I let history play itself out. Um, And uh but in this case, I, I mean, if it's an evaluation, I think there are a few things that I'm going to outline already. You know, my posture is not one to be an alarmist. Um, yep, there yep. are so many factors in this particular season um, that indicates that it is unusual in, in so many ways. And so um, I think we can be um, providing assessment a bit too early but we're in this as fans and so we're constantly evaluating there's at least two theories that i kind of i'm pulling out and 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 i want to get your thoughts on this bryce Mm -hmm. um nick nurse's roster is a bit i don't want to say all over the place i actually think he has a method to the madness Mm -hmm. um However, his rotations have included many individuals that I have that have caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see a Stanley Johnson. Um, this we've seen him twice now. Um, we saw him um, for the first time against um, not just for the Pelicans, but before that mm-hmm. against the Sixers. Two. Exact against the Sixers, and uh, I, I pre- his minutes were really solid. It provided um, a defensive 
of intensity and it actually alleviated some pressure on the ball handlers. Uh, so Fred and Kyle, because uh, Stanley can bring the ball up. But nevertheless, um, I also started, we started to see uh, TD. A little um, more TD, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more TD, but no uh, Matt Thomas. Interesting. Right? Uh, so that was quite interesting. Um, I didn't think he played terribly no. uh, in the first uh, two games or in the preseason for him not to warrant at least a few minutes, uh, especially when there's in-game adjustments, whether you're mm-hmm. going zone and we're requiring more outside shooting like we desperately need in the first half against the second game of the, you know, uh, against the Pelicans last night. Yep. Um, so so there's at least two theories that I'm, I'm pulling out. Wow, this is this. I don't want to again overreact, but I know <laughs> I know coaches sometimes are pressured by management to play certain players mm-hmm. uh, in order for them to be evaluated. Now, in order for them to be evaluated, not only just internally but it's league wide, and that comes when management is are trying to shop a asset. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I am going to give minutes to Stanley Johnson in order for him to showcase his abilities in order for him to increase his stock. So am I suggesting Bobby and Masai have a trade coming through the pipes? We don't know. That's a theory. It's a working theory mm-hmm. just based on the first, I uh, what we're going on five games, right? Yeah. And the second is it's still preseason mode for a lot mm-hmm. of these guys. And the expectations that we have on guys who are supposed to outperform, supposed to perform at a high level that we want is I'm, I'm not, I'm not losing any sleep. We want Pascal to be the second coming of uh, a Kawhi Leonard uh, that's not mm-hmm. happening or uh, poor man's Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. Allow him to excel within his particular means and partic- and trajectory of development. Um, and I think he teased us by having an incredible season last year. Definitely. Um, this is pre pre bubble. And so going into this season, we were thinking, okay, this is first, first team right. NBA. Right. And so I'm not, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do as someone who's developing his game. So, uh, so the second working theory is essentially, this is part of the course, right? We're trying to figure things out center by committee. Um, and Nick nurse, knowing the type of mind that he is, he's playing around with a variety of pieces and things will fall in, fall in place. Yeah. I went, I dragged it a little bit longer, my bad, but. What do you, what do you yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Pascal in a little bit specifically, but, you know, I think with this season, uh, as unusual as it is, and of course the bubble was unique, it's a historical moment for the NBA and obviously these players, I think you're going to see two steps back, you know, one step forward, three steps forward, two steps back. You're going to see that in any of the individual careers, but you're also going to see that in the team, you're going to see that in uh, the coaching decisions. Um, so mm. f- for me, what I'm curious about, um, as I've seen Twitter blow up, and I've also seen writers who I've had a lot of respect for over the years, uh, you know, say like this deep, like dad disappointment toward the team. And I've seen them want to like burn <laughs> the team down and start over and this kind of thing. Where, oh where do you put this team? Uh, you know, where do you rank them when you put them up against, uh, you know, teams from the last seven years? Because for me, when I look at a season that was a bit of a dip over the last five years, you know, 2016 to last year. And okay, this is the sixth season. When I see a bit of a dip, it was that 2016-2017 season, uh, the season before Kawhi, uh, the, sorry, two seasons before Kawhi, 
Uh, we got swept by the Cavs. I think Kyle Lowry got injured just before that series. When I look at this team and put him up against that team, I'm looking at guys like Damari Carroll, Pat Patterson, and I'm and I'm yeah. thinking, uh, I'd rather have this team currently than than that team for sure. And that was a 51 51 win season. What do you think about though? You know, uh, comparing it to that team, or even like teams from 2014 and 2015, which are the kind of the lower years of the golden era. Um, it's interesting. I mean, you look um, looking at Kyle Lowry's um, stats and Basketball Reference uh, of that season, of uh, that 2017-2018 season, and uh, that is he averaged 16.2 points per. That was game. the year before Kawhi. Six. Yep. Yeah. Six point nine assists. Uh, he shot about you know. Uh, 55% from the field um, and just a bit below 40% from three. But that was also the season um, when uh, Nick Nurse introduced Mm -hmm. a new Mm -hmm. offense. So the ball was outside the hands of Kyle as well as DeMar. And uh, again, we didn't, you know, uh, it took that there was a chunk of the uh, maybe you would say 20 games uh, it took time for those guys to adjust to the mm-hmm. system right we even you know there was even leaks where there was a bit of bickering with Kyle and the coaching yep. staff yep. Uh, obviously with Dwayne um, that uh, he wasn't really compatible his skills weren't really compatible with this new offense obviously that proved to, n- to not be true um, he adjusted um, and everyone did actually, we went to the playoffs as usual, but then we were, I believe we were swept right against the Cavs, right in the playoffs against the Cavs. And so, uh, that was a huge meltdown and then the off season led to, you know, Dwayne getting fired and right. Right. Um, DeRozan being traded. Uh, but I, so I think we don't really assess those beginnings the same way because, we yes. were winning. We had a successful right. start when there was these seasons, adjustments. Definitely. Exactly. But the, the reason why we were winning was because Dwayne didn't, wasn't going to change certain other right. elements. And I think, um, and change is really difficult. And especially for a team that have lost certain two key pieces, Serge and Gasol. So we're depending essentially on, Chris Boucher and Aaron Baines and Alex Len to anchor a defense that requires a high level of cerebral mm. as well as physical activity um, from our centers, one. And then two, they also played a huge role in our half-court offense, especially for our guards to, to go without the ball. And we under I underestimate that at least. And so when I saw the way in which we made a comeback right. yesterday against the Pelicans, it was exciting. Definitely, I, I saw Chris Boucher drastically improve. So if there's any if there's any positive signs from this early start or this meltdown that people <laughs> are crying yep. about, um, Chris Boucher has shown that he is more than deserving not just the minutes, but the contract that he signed in, during the off season and the trust the coaching staff uh, he is I mentioned this in the last pod episode and I'll reiterate it uh, he made decisions that I think were critical for our comeback uh, the only thing that I think that was that was obvious was that we were outplayed by uh, the opposing center and that being um, the new center for the Pelicans uh, Stephen Adams Stephen Adams right um, and he didn't, that wasn't just to Chris Boucher. That was also Aaron Baines. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was re- reeling over some, some of the plays, um, whether it be offensive rebounds or the way in which he would 
get the ball out of the double team that was that was um, trapping Brandon Ingram and how he would able to navigate around the court. Whereas Aaron Baines has to retreat back to his man, at least be disruptive. Um, so all that to say, um, there's adjustments that have to be made that are a lot more uh, across the board. That, and I think we're underestimating it. I think we're an analog, some of us, uh, whether it be Raptor bloggers, tw- the Twitter sphere, that are cosmetic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Oh, okay. Uh, Pascal is struggling, or um, Norm Powell is just not shooting it well, and OG is not hitting his threes. No, I actually think that's cosmetic. Right. I actually think there are, I think there are structural um, elements to the Raptors' offense as well as defense that are going to take some right. time um, to adjust and you have to be along with the ride, mm-hmm. right? I think we, I think um, Pat Riley mentioned the disease of more, right? Um, right, the disease of more. Once we win a championship mm-hmm. and we have some success, the expectation is this is what we should expect. You know, it should come down like manna, <laughs> right? Uh, that, that's um, I'm taking something out of your there books you here with the at a Nick Nurse's book. At a Nick Nurse's book, right? And, but no, if there's any changes, uh, any there needs to be more work to be done. If you want Pascal to be at a high level of, uh, at an All Star level, then there there's going to be work for him to be done on his in his on his game that may not always show itself uh, to be positive on certain mm-hmm. nights, right? Because he's working on a mid-range game. It's new in his repertoire. It's not going to fall all the time. He's trying to learn how to play with Aaron Baines. We saw the turnovers mm-hmm. yesterday. So I'm completely fine with this adjustment and this learning curve. The curve is just going to be longer than what we expected. Again, I went a little bit longer. <laughs> no worries. Um, I guess. <laughs> You're enthusiastic, and, um, man. But I'm telling you, I'm, I mean, I'm, I've watched the um, on Canada, uh, NBA Canada TV today, the replay of the right. game. And I saw, I saw the mistakes that we were making. And I said, oh, these, are, these, these can be mm-hmm. corrected. These are not mistakes of talent deficit, right? Or a talent, the, the talent mm-hmm. is there. These are adjustments that can be made um, through team cohesion, uh, rep, many reps, and to be quite honest, I appreciate the intensity of the game and having Norm Powell and Chris Boucher learning how to navigate that level of intensity. Awesome. Because again, I mentioned this earlier, we want to prepare ourselves for the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? The only way you prepare yourself for the playoffs is you have these opportunities in game. And guess what? Sometimes you lose them. Right. And so, and we're only, um, you know, five games in, uh, after 25, 50 games, we're going to see how those improvements are made and what we're made of in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this again. I don't want to be on my soapbox, <laughs> but, but there was a, there's an article and we discussed this over the weekend that was put out by uh, columnist Thal oh, Kelly. Boy. Um, and, um, you know, it was critiquing, uh, the, um, Pascal Siakam's, uh, not just performance, but the fact that he was out of step as a quote unquote, maybe pseudo superstar as he would, um, label him, um, and his, uh, especially the way he, he left, um, the game against uh, the Sixers when he got fouled out, and and obviously the following uh, disciplinary um, decision made by the uh, Toronto front office in having him sit down and or suspended, however you want to call it. From my understanding, he wasn't suspended. Um, he he just was benched mm-hmm. and received a DNP. Right. Um, uh, unlike previous players that. Um, 
Clapp chosen not to show up. He was on the bench. He was cheering on his teammates. He also was open about the decision that was made and said, hey, I accept it like a professional. Um, and, and they are willing to move forward. I don't see any issue here, Bryce. Maybe there's another angle where this discredits Pascal as, uh, as a leader on the team um, and, and be, him being warranted the maximum contract, which is essentially what uh, Mr. Kelly uh, <laughs> writes. And, and just for the record, um, my critique of Cathal Kelly doesn't mean that he should lose his job or that he loses any sense of dignity. No, he has an opinion piece out. That's fine. It's out in the open, but it's out in the open for us, some of us to agree mm-hmm. with it or to disagree with it. Now I'm going to take on the role of disagreeing with it because he also touches on maybe he's not deserving of the superstar label. He was, he was never a superstar to, to begin with, right? For the most part, he's a 1B, right? right? right. Whereas Cal Lowry is the 1A. Right. Um, and it's... And it's not his performance last year or the year prior that was deserving of his contract, or uh, maybe he outwitted us in the negotiation room, he and his <laughs> agent. No, it's the market that dictates his salary, much like it's the market that dictates whether Cathal Kelly is paid <laughs> accordingly on the Globe and Mail, right? And I would, and I would hope that, that we support our journalists in a more equitable manner. Like, so I'm not going to take that away. So let's be clear when we're criticizing um, these players and, and not, and not making passive aggressive statements as it relates to their income and whether they're deserving of it based on a performance of what four games or, or even retreating back to his performance during a bubble, which is equating to, athletes having to perform during a time of war, right? It's a global crisis. People have different ways of um, responding to it. And let's not put all of our eggs in one basket as it relates to our expectations of one player. Goodness gracious, I need a drink. (laughs) Yeah, I think think evaluating the team uh, certainly centers around Pascal. Um, I think... Chris Boucher, there's no doubt, has taken a huge jump this year, almost a Pascal-like jump. Uh, Agree, you know, to what he's done this season, um, and I think that's a great story, and and we should focus on that. The other part of this team, though, is like you said, is Pascal the the one, or is he the one B, or is he a two, uh, in terms yeah. of you know the the ranking within the franchise. And I think that's at this point, uh, I think it's clear that he's more of a two. I would even say last Mm. year, uh, even when he was at the height of his ball game, if you would have asked uh, the players and, and other players in the league, not just Raptors, but other guys from other teams, Kyle Lowry is still the most important part of this team. And so I think we expected, we were hoping for, Pascal to erase the bubble and he would be able to get to that, not just all-star, but emerging superstar like Brandon Ingram showed in the two games we played against them, uh, the Pelicans. Um, and, and you know what? Pascal hasn't got there and there's lots of factors, some that we could, uh, you know, make up and some that uh, we have no clue about because, you know, that's, personal to pascal we can speculate yeah exactly we can either speculate and fictionalize or we can rely on what we know um or we're, we're not privy to you're right i agree but i i think for me and i i think you're you know i'm agreeing with what you've said about pascal in particular um while there may be some concerns when you look at what this the uniqueness of this year um you know, uh, and, and the fact that uh, we still are, uh, sorry, we just finished what would have been the preseason, seven games as, as the preseason. Um, Pascal in 10, 15, 20 games is going to be certainly better than he is now. There's no question about that. He's going to be better than he was in the bubble. 
And he's likely to be somewhere between, uh, you know, the bubble and where he was before the pandemic hit and, and halted the NBA. And I think um, if we just allow him to get there and allow him, you know, him to, to show us who he is instead of us saying who he should be, kind of like how a, exactly. a, a parent should work with their kids, let them tell you, you know, you who they are rather than you expecting things and they're supposed to live up to something. Uh, I think we'd do much better. Now, one question outside of the uh, evaluative. Can we, can we actually, can we also move beyond this uh, parental um, <laughs> paradox? That's what we have. Uh, a relationship? Goodness gracious. I know, it's crazy. I mean, we're fans. Yeah, that's it. Man. The audacity that we have to have this patronizing relationship with these athletes. I mean, I can go a bit further uh, along the political spectrum that I think people <laughs> think that they, they, like th- th- these athletes are, are owing oh, to right, us right. in a sense. Or we own right? them, maybe. Uh, they don't owe us. In- yeah, we don't, they don't, own- we're not shareholders. No. Right? This is, no. We're not the Green Bay Packers. We have no shares <laughs> in the MLSE. Um, this is not a, you know, a small town football club in the EPL that, you know, the little town. <laughs> Bradford <County>. City. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Where we own a piece of uh, the team and this team can never be competitive. Um, this is not the case, right? I think we need to know our roles and, um, and let these athletes have, and, and these are professional athletes and the ones that are on our roster and our franchise, ha- ha- you know, carry themselves with the utmost uh, character with the exception, at least of one that I know mm. of. Um uh, so let's 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 treat them accordingly. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm off the soapbox. Please. <laughs> now let let me ask you this question. We we got a few minutes on this question, and we should uh, get to the, the feel good. So we're not just leaving people with with uh, gray days here, but we're we're leaving them with some Goodness sunshine. Gracious. What is your feeling? I, I heard this or and read this through Pascal's uh, being disciplined. How, how does this all feel for you with Pascal being disciplined the way he was and, and TD having a, a lack of discipline? Does that, is that a clean cut kind of thing? One's more the league has to figure it out and the courts have to figure it out? Or, or do you get rubbed the wrong way a little bit through how things were handled with the two guys? Um, yeah, I'll be short. Um, and curious to know what your thoughts are. Um, again, I, I, I thought it was the right thing to do. I, I felt it was distasteful um, uh, mm. as, uh, as a team to have your, you know, one B or one of your leaders, one of your vets, uh, just, just leave out of frustration. Um, have there been worse um, behaviors by athletes in the NBA mm. as it related to their teams and, to their coaching staff and to the game itself, obviously. Um, however, mm-hmm. uh, the Toronto Raptors just move different. They have high standards, and that is applied across yeah. the board. Um, now, mind you, um, Kyle Lowry didn't show up on the road for the preseason games. There was speculations mm-hmm. whether he wasn't healthy or he just didn't want to show up. Now, there's a difference between right. disciplining a Kyle Lowry and disciplining a Pascal Siakam. And I think uh, there, it, it, isn't, it isn't a perfect formula. And so they go on a case-to-case basis. They chose to do this with Pascal. Now, again, we're not privy to a lot of information here. Um, at least we're not. Um, and not even the beat writers who have access to the halls of the MLSE could provide us with kind of a much more factual kind of reasoning. Mm. So all we have is, well, you know, how he conducted himself um, uh, leaving the court. Right. Um, now, as it relates to TD, I think it has a lot to do with the NBA office and right. the, the players union and how their players need yep. to be represented, um, especially if it's related to a court case. Um 
And so it kind of ties their hands as a franchise. Mm. Um, again, uh, TD didn't play for several of the first games. We know that for sure. Now we don't know mm -hmm. if that was mm -hmm. intentional, but it was a clear DNP. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, again, I think it's something for us to uh, bring up and to compare. And I think that's important. Um, again, I, I felt a bit um, compelled to defend Pascal as if we, uh, as if his character was right. being discredited because he's an upstanding guy off the court. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, we definitely. definitely and who he is on the court is definitely who he is off the court in terms of a very jovial individual. Um, and, uh, and that was from his 905 days, if we remember clearly. Uh, so uh, when, again, I, I'll revert back to that article written by Cathal Kelly at Global Mail. It, um, it, it almost felt a little um, punching down as if, as if um, right. um, his character was on trial, right? And if I review right, right, right. Um, uh, Cathal Kelly's past pieces, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Bryce, uh, he hasn't written anything as related to the Terrence Davis trial. Um, and so, right. um, no. so I feel like some reporters want to um, go on their stand and uh, provide some sort of um, conviction of Pascal for not just performing up to his potential, but also this uh, minute uh, behavioral issue, which is corrected immediately. He agreed with it and moved on. Um, and so, yeah. I I don't think he's losing, losing sleep, sleep over, over it. But Pascal. I'm reading, you know, obviously, right. uh, social media has lost their mind. or saying, well, you know what? He's he's thinking that he's above the team now, and so on and so forth. I'm like, goodness gracious, where is this oh, coming from? And I think, um, yeah, you know, so fans so. are going to be fans, but reporters have a better have a have a responsibility to also have a high standard, right? Of not um, yeah. decorating yeah. their um, empty pronouncements in decorated prose. And yes, I'm saying, I'm speaking that to Cathal. Mm -hmm. I think he, he could do better. I've read some of his work. You could do better. So I'll leave it right. at that. Right. Yeah. I, I think there, in terms of individuals and, and what they decide to do on and off the court, I think there's some responsibility uh, to the fans to, to some degree, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I mean, the individual players, their responsibilities to their teammates mm -hmm. and to the franchise. Mm -hmm. However, I think just the way, this is a, the way American sports work, you know, not necessarily the same with European sports, but I, I think that the, the franchise, because as a franchise, they're a brand. And they are trying to carry their brand in a certain way. I think they do have a responsibility to uh, the fans. And I also think the responsibility for the Raptors as a franchise is even higher because they're, all, they're the only yeah. one in Canada in Great the NBA. Point. And I think for me, when I look at that, you know, the Pascal situation, I think, yeah, sure. Fine. You know, sit them down for a game. That's a dis decision between you and, and the player. The player should have should be responsible to the team. The team makes a decision. I have nothing to do with that, right? However, with TD and what's gone on there and that there's a court trial, I think that, you know, the, the, the franchise has responsibility to the players because they're trying as best they can to hold themselves in a certain way as a brand not just uh, as a group of guys who happen to play basketball and there's some owners mm. involved. Um, and I think the character of the franchise, um, there, there's a small little smudge on it uh, because uh, they decided not to, to really do anything that can, the fans can see is, is a, um, a clear decision of doing yeah. something. For me, they've just fought all they've done is just followed some protocols, some league guidelines, um, 
Let me give you a quick example, and then we'll take this to, me, to some sunnier days. Um, when uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, I think I said this you on are? the last podcast. One of the pl- I am. I'm a huge Arsenal fan. Uh, one of one of the players on Arsenal. This is probably five six years ago. Mm. Olivier Giroud, starting yeah. striker, was playing very well. He's he, you know, he got involved uh, in an affair, and the tabloids of London, which are uh, ubiquitous, they are following players all over the place. They caught this. They found him out, and. Uh, they, the press asked Wenger about this. You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to, um, you know, punish Olivier? Will he be suspended? And Wenger really made no comment. He said, well, uh, we'll discuss that on our own and, and figure that out. Now, again, this is not a criminal yeah. situation, but the brand, the brand of Arsenal has always, like the Raptors, held themselves in a certain way to say, we want to be about the players as humans first. We want them to care for, uh, you know, the city or the, at least the community in some way. Anyways, no official thing was ever done uh, to say that Olivier would be punished. But guess who sat the next four games? These were not preseason games. These were league games. And in Premier League football, you only have 38 yeah. games. So to sit a guy for one's a big deal. To sit a guy for four is a true yeah. statement. Nothing official. They asked him after every game Giroud sat, hey, does this have to do with, and Wenger would not comment mm. on it at all. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I mm-hmm. thought that that could have been something that they could have done with TD. They probably could have talked to the league with, but without that clear statement, again, doesn't have to be official, doesn't have to be outright uh, like they did with Pascal, but it's got to be something tangible for the fans to see and when that didn't happen i feel like they really missed something and probably have made us more suspicious as a fan base especially those who are really loyal to the team but but do um uh really value uh their want for high character anyways we've talked about if if after 10 15 games TD gets traded, right? Sure. Um, what would you think about that? Yeah. Do you think that? Well, first, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be really surprised because the guy's played like he has the weight of the world on him, which I don't think is a bad thing. But he's played awful. But yeah, if he gets traded, is that a sign? Yeah, likely. Likely uh, that they're taking a, a, a position that is not overt, right? But it's within. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of um, in line of uh, this particular player does not fit our ethos, right? And so he will, right? And, for sure. Uh, for regardless sure. of how the um, the court proceedings continue, uh, this is the kind of corrective that they're willing to take. So, because I'm trying to figure out what's yeah. what's the best well, way well, to. Um, if not the if the word is not redeem the situation for the franchise, right. what's a what's a what's a much what's a corrective? So the fans can also yep. have, and it's not for us to have to continue to have these inflated ideas of what um, a franchise or a corporation can do as it relates to justice or ethics. Know that they themselves are flawed and and may very well be inconsistent. But I'm trying to figure out, okay, what can they by themselves? And benching a player is one way. Some people said, well, he needs to be suspended. Others have said that he shouldn't even suit up. So um, these are a little, you know, this goes beyond our pay grade, obviously. This is up to Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri. For sure. And, and uh, to, a, to obviously a certain degree, Nick Nurse and his coaching staff. So, Yeah. That's for sure. Goodness gracious. All right, sunnier skies are often often on the West Coast for the Toronto Raptors. The last two seasons, early in the season, they've gone out to the West Coast. Uh, back-to-back years, I believe, they even played the Golden State Warriors and Portland Trailblazers. And guess what is right around the corner after the, tomorrow's game against the Boston oh, Celtics? Your boy. A West Coast trip. How are you feeling about 
the all the possibilities of that West Coast trip. He play a revamped Phoenix Suns, which I'm excited to see. Uh, the point guard, Chris Paul, one of my favorite players. Yeah. Um, a mm-hmm. re-energized uh, Sacramento Kings. A um, a team that's trying to keep its head above water, uh, Golden State Warriors. And we end it with uh, the enigmatic yet potent uh, and exciting uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, last two years, I think you mentioned we come back um, above 500 uh, in terms of winning record. And this has always yeah. been the um, kind of beginning of our season that regroups the team, uh, team mm-hmm. you know, uh, allows the team to really gain momentum. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed last year's uh, West Coast trip. I felt uh, Freddie really gained his, um, his swag against some of the top point guards that are in the Western Conference. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so especially really against Damian So Lillard. I expect the same on this road trip for them to get out of Tampa and to, uh, you know, build some more cohesion and chemistry on the road. Um, Again, I don't do predictions. I really uh, care for them, but I see them maintaining the uh, record above 500, which they've done the last uh, couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. And um, I also see a tighter roster. Um, a tighter rotation, yeah. Thanks for tighter rotation. Me. Um, that uh, nurse will employ nurse. Um, I think based on the uh, the makeup of the teams that will be playing, and uh, I and because it's the West Coast and a lot of teams are going to be going up tempo, it's going to be in our favor. So uh, I expect it to be high scoring, and I think that is going to be a breakthrough for our offense. So uh, a lot of players are going to let loose the Norm Powell's. Um, the OGs and uh, and either or of uh, the uh, shooting guard tandem of TD and Matt Thomas and and yeah definitely I, I hope and to just see in Matt case Thomas again. people think that I'm intentional of not mentioning him they're absolutely right I'm not mentioning Malachi Flynn because I don't expect him to play. Um, and the <laughs> eternal words of Will Ferrell, let the boy watch. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> like his father, like his father, Fred Van Vliet before only, him. <laughs> only true Will Ferrell fans will understand that. But anyway, um, <laughs> nothing wrong with him learning from the bench. Um, he is not our savior. Okay. Our guards yeah. are doing fairly well um, without him. And uh, and I'm really, yeah, really solid. enjoying the minutes that uh, – enjoying by uh, – I should say impressed by the minutes we're getting by Stanley Johnson uh, at that kind of point forward. You know, it's just uh, – he's hovering about 15 minutes. It's not hurting anyone. I know he's not giving you much offensively, but defensively he's doing enough. And I think uh, I'd like t- for him to have a bit more confidence in – um, running a few offensive sets for Freddie or Kyle who was on the court, but uh, I've got I've said enough at least. What are your thoughts on the Western West uh, Coast trip? Yeah, I think that you've uh, said something that's really important for uh, fans to consider and and for me to consider as well that in a lot of ways, the Raptors are built uh, similarly to, to the Golden State Warriors of those championship years. Um, and, you know, Pascal is the kind of perfect guy, uh, that Scottie Pippen type point forward that can run the floor so well, rebound and just, mm-hmm. you know, go baseline to baseline, either dish or... Uh, go all the way and score and so in a lot of ways when we play the west coast who is often touted by the media to be the more dominant conference we're actually well set up against them 
who is it that we beat last year in hmm. their building hmm. early in the season? The Los Angeles Lakers. Who is it that we beat without Kawhi Leonard the year before uh, who had Kevin Durant? The Golden State Warriors. So when I think of like what this trip could mean for Pascal, you mentioned Phoenix, Golden State, Sacramento, Portland. I think these teams are perfectly suited to Pascal not just playing against them and matching up against them, but to get back to the joy of the game, that fast-flowing, freewheeling basketball, and there's not these big power forwards in the same way that you might see in some of the teams that we played against. Um, and and that, that for me is, is very exciting. Uh, and they don't like the half court either. And Pascal would rather be in transition. So I, I think it has the perfect recipe, the perfect makeup for and just for the Pascal record, to get uh, right back on I know the Pelicans track. are a Western um, Conference team, but uh, they're coached by Stan Van Gundy, who is a traditional um, Eastern Conference coach. Uh, he's from the 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 cloth of Pat Riley. So that old school half court you know, knock 'em sock 'em basketball is usually what his style is. And I actually think the Pelicans improved. So just in case people say, well, you know what? Why didn't we why did we underperform against the Pelicans? Well, it has a lot to do with their style uh, of basketball. Um, all of the teams that are going to be on the schedule uh, play an up-tempo basketball s- style. Yeah, they are West exactly. Coast versus just um, you know, okay, Western. Bryce, is there anyone sure. on that on those rosters uh, <clears throat> from the teams that we're going to be playing that can even match with Pascal? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think some folks in Phoenix will say that mm-hmm, Bridges. Mm-hmm. Their starting power forward, who's a who's a, a smaller, faster power forward like Pascal, will will give some problems uh, to okay. Pascal. I, I don't see that. Uh, I think that you know they'll they'll be a solid team that to go against, and and they'll mm-hmm. make us work. But I don't see Bridges doing that. Uh, you know, you got the rookie Wiseman in Golden State. I, I think, think he better be tie his shoes tight if he covers Pascal. Pascal I think he plays more because than five. Pascal's going to be. Um, but we have our right. Canadian uh, boy, uh, Andrew right. Wiggins. Yeah. And uh, the enigmatic Wiggins. Um, yeah. uh, I, pretty boy. Um, uh, the wingman for the Golden State Warriors. I don't know why the name. Kelly Oubre. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Oubre. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. A heartthrob in the NBA. Um, he's still trying to find his rhythms in Golden State. But do you think I, he can match up with Pascal? I don't think so. I think you'll probably see the best matchups for Pascal with Sacramento. Uh, Harrison Barnes is there. Yeah. They have uh, a couple fives that could play the four, similar to how we yeah. saw Boucher play last night against the Pelicans. He, he can kind of, you know, slide in and out of those roles. Uh, Bagley, who plays for Sacramento, could do that. But again, Pascal, once he gets going and doesn't beat himself, I think he's going to be mm-hmm. a handful mm-hmm. and get back to himself. Uh, through these games. So I, I, you know, even Portland, do they have anyone in particular? Certainly not Carmelo Anthony. Um, he'll be undressed by Pascal if he tries to cover him. So I, I, yeah, for me, I'm very confident going into the West Coast, even against Boston. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what the team's going to bring. But I think the West Coast, to get away, to get under the radar, which usually happens, everyone is, you know, after the West Coast trip, is like, oh gosh, Toronto just went four and one or five and zero oh on the West Coast. Now their record is, you know, ten and two or fifteen and five. Whoa, is this is this a contender? So it's kind of nice that we're one and four and we're going to go out west and we'll do well and Pascal will get back on his feet. We'll come back to Bizarro. Tampa again, bizarre as that is, 
and pe- yeah, and people will be saying, oh, maybe Toronto's well, not as bad as we thought. Usually well, we would have not. to convince um, American media, right, that uh, to take us seriously. I feel like this season we're having mm-hmm. to, it's much more internal. It's, it's amongst our own fan base, right, to say, Guys, and you know, um, right? If uh, sure, if we lose sure. a game on this Western uh, road trip, um, you don't have to throw the baby in the bathwater, kind of a deal, right? It's it's. Um, I I heard mm-hmm. one um, um, mentioned by uh, a blog mentioned uh, stating that uh, should Pascal go to the G League uh, in order for him to regain? I'm like, goodness. Gracious! Oh my Thank God, you are not in charge of a franchise, right? Like, imagine you had any type of power. Wow! wow. wow. Um, no, I'm excited. Uh, it just requires us here uh, in the That's... Eastern Time Zone uh, to stay up late, and uh, we have to make those adjustments. Uh, but it Gosh. will be exciting. It will be exciting. And just for the record, uh, our listeners, we didn't mention anything about uh, Fred, Fred Van Vliet because he's back. He, he, he's composed. Uh, he ha- Yes, he had a game that you he is. could forget about playing uh, great. against the Sixers. Uh, but um, afterwards uh, against the Knicks and then follow that up with uh, the Pelicans, uh, he uh, was playing like Steady Freddy. So, um uh, didn't want to uh, mm-hmm. uh, overstate the obvious, uh, but I will like to see uh, OG uh, uh, loosen up, especially offensively. I think uh, he's cost. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly it for sure. And <laughs> just needs a massage or two um, for him to let loose, and for him <laughs> letting loose is probably saying two, you know, two sentences out loud, you know, within the hour. Um, <laughs> You know what they will have down in the desert that will help him? That's what a needs. spa. That's, that's what, what he needs. He just needs a spa day. Um, right? And, you know, there's no surge, right? <laughs> no, no, no surge to, to let, you know, loosen these guys up to, right. you know, get these guys not just focused, but also for them to understand that there's a bigger world beyond, you know, uh, a losing record for the first four games. Goodness gracious. Um, anyway, um, so on lockdown – um, it's not worth taking any risks. Um, take care of yourselves and your loved ones, and even the people that you don't know by uh, uh, following the health uh, standards and directives. Yeah, and if you're oh, not a boy, and you have a shovel, and you have an old, an older neighbor, maybe you know, t- help take some snow away for the elder, baller, elderly neighbor baller, as well. Serious and, you, and, and the court <laughs> is filled with snow right now. Get a shovel. Um, shovel. Yeah, shovel shovel uh-huh. the area. Ala Jamal Murray. At least get some jumpers through. If, if you need to wear some gloves, do it. Um, 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day. Um, still work on your game. I know you don't have access to indoor facilities, so um, you got to be on that grind, and grind doesn't sleep. So enjoy the week, enjoy the games, the West Coast trip. Good stuff. Peace. All right.